good morning friends or good evening depending on when you are listening to this potty i am bringing to you today a fellow novocastrian hannah chizek she is the creatrix that is may clay ceramics and someone that i absolutely admire for her groundedness her uniqueness and her authenticity when it comes to the way that she chooses to show up you know those people that are just calm to be around like it's calming to be in her presence she is one of those people for me anyway and I only knew a little bit about Hannah's um, process as to what led her to start May Clay but it was lined with grief and how she's chosen to turn that grief into something beautiful and That is what this whole podcast is about. It is finding the beauty in grief. And there, I will put like a trigger warning with this podcast. We do discuss miscarriage. We do discuss stillbirth and we do discuss death. So if either of those are something that you are still doing the healing work around. I'm just letting you know that we do talk quite openly about it, but I do think these conversations are so important to have because like we talk about here, grief is a natural part of life and Hannah just, she just moves through it now so beautifully. So here it is. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be here and have this chat with you. Oh, well, it feels like it it takes us so long to actually get our shizzle together to have a catch up, but now it feels like we're getting two in the one week. So I feel a bit lucky to get to hang with you again. (laughs) It's so true. It's hard to organize these things sometimes. Oh my gosh, yes. And you've got two kitties as well, yeah? I do, I do. Ivy and Billy, aged 10 and 7. Oh my goodness. So I first stumbled across your work, Ham, with Mayclay Ceramics a couple of years ago, probably 18 months or so now. And I've got to say, I'm still in love with your creations as much as I was then, as I am now. I even got to attend one of your workshops last year, I think it was, which always book out. And it's such a connective process, right? Like what you do and the way that you bring everyone together. It is. We first met at that Red Collective workshop last year. And it was so nice to have your beautiful and bubbly personality there. It was so lovely. Oh, thank um, you. We were filled with yeah. rosé too, I think. Pardon? We definitely were filled with a few rosés as well. Uh, but we were so I think maybe. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're absolutely right. It's a connective process like all about working with the earth elements it's really like a type of therapy that's so beautiful and so you walked us through sculpting the clay so beautifully but it's quite a vulnerable practice isn't it I I was shocked yeah it is it's um it's almost like physical there's like an emotional connection with clay which is really hard to describe I suppose Mm -hmm. um I guess you could compare it to a meditation where stillness brings clarity to the mind. I don't know. Yeah, totally. 
it yeah. would be especially like we were just mentioning before when we were talking about podcasts that you do spend quite a bit of time on your own like, yeah I do creating. I really do yeah I spend so much time on my own so I'm always in that place I think like yeah I we were talking about listening to podcasts and I do a lot of that I, I listen to a lot of music um but you know in life you know how we try and control situations you cannot do that with clay so like you're being taught like a stillness and patience all day um in that space does that make sense yeah absolutely absolutely so you did mention therapy just there that like working with the clay is like a form of therapy um you were drawn to clay because of your own life experience weren't you so can you talk us through what led you to creating such raw simple but powerful pieces because while beauty is the result it's not what sat you in the stool was it (laughs) no not at all I um I need to start by saying I I think I mentioned to this when we had a coffee last week um my story is not an extraordinary story but it's my story and it's like part of my creative journey so I feel like people will be able to relate to that um but do you want me to share like my story right from the beginning. I would love that. I would love that because as much as this podcast is about the beautiful work that you create through clay and your beautiful business, I also want it to um, be about finding beauty through grief. And I know that so many of our listeners here, well, we'll all experience grief. It's like, it's part of life is grief. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And what you've done with it and how you navigate it and how you are living alongside that every day. I think it's really beautiful to share. So if you could talk us through your story, that would be phenomenal as much as you want to share, of course, as always. Okay. So our family grew up in an extremely sheltered environment. So when our beautiful dad suddenly passed away of a heart attack at age 59, it was like a massive shock to all of us. Um, the grief was really physical. Um, the shock was in our system for a long time. Um, we were often shaky and I don't know if you, I mean, you've, you probably speak to people who are going through grief all the time, but you sometimes feel like you're going mad. Mm-hmm. Um, no one tells you like what grief will be like, but when it's sudden, like what happened to us people liken it to having your back against the wave rather than facing it. Mm. And I mean, no easier or harder way of dealing with death, but we certainly weren't expecting our dad to pass away like that. Um, It was a really painful time and we had so many emotions happening. Um, And from then we had to organise a funeral have you organized like uh, have you organized a wedding before? Yes, mine my wedding didn't go very well. Um, no. It's a lot. It's a lot. And then to I can't imagine I'm grateful that both of my parents are still here, but I know that the planning of their departure will fall mostly onto me and I cannot imagine having to come up with the clarity of mind to come up with all of those details when you're feeling like you're drowning in loss. Yeah. 
you have to organize this funeral in such a short period of time. Everyone is in shock. Everyone's really stressed. Um, and yeah, that there is so much involved. And then you go to the funeral and it's really strange because people do quickly forget, like in that moment, you have this amazing network of people. I don't know, like a few weeks, um, to, you know, af after the passing, mm -hmm. after the funeral. But then, you know, people do quickly forget. It's quite natural that people forget. Um, but you're left with this pain and this grief to process. And that's a really hard time. So in our society, um, people hate the discussion. It's too sensitive and too uncomfortable and awkward to talk about grief. But I feel like when people just start accepting what death is and how real it is, they might accept that it's actually just part of life, the way that, you know, bringing a child into this world is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really, it's a really hard topic. But yeah, I, I just don't feel like people talk about grief enough. It's inevitable. So, yeah, it's inevitable. But like I was thinking the other day, you know, when someone gives birth and the the days and months and years that you get to know that person like when somebody passes away it's the, the same uh, mm -hmm. I don't know like you you've lost someone that you've had your whole life yeah so not long after pardon because if they leave a space absolutely yeah and then not long after my dad passed away my sister fell pregnant and we were all really happy. She'd waited seven years to um, have another baby and we were so happy. We thought life after death, how powerful is that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, after a short uh, period of time, I fell pregnant. I'd, do you know this part or not? Yeah, I do. It's just, I didn't realize that with your sister as well, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, look, we love like her baby. He's absolutely beautiful. We love him. But it, at the time it was hard. So she, yeah. So we thought that was part of our healing process. And, and then I fell pregnant and I'd had miscarriages in the past, but um, this time was a little bit different there was a few complications in the early stages, but we thought that like, again, this would be part of our healing process. And um, then little did we know that at 16 and a half weeks, I had to go in for an amniocentesis. Mm -hmm. And then I was faced with, we were faced with yet another painful death. Um, Cause I could, I could see that the babies, there was no heartbeat. Um, Oh. Yeah, and I wondered, I just wondered, like, I lost it, obviously. And then I just wondered why my body hadn't naturally done what it needed to do. Mm -hmm. So that was really hard. I um, had to physically give birth and it's another topic. I don't know if you've had the discussion, but uh, a baby isn't classified as stillborn, a stillbirth of 20 weeks. So... I was almost 17 weeks and I gave birth. And to me, that was like a stillbirth. Absolutely. Yeah. 
That's Sorry, my midwife. Very much. Oh, yeah. So my midwife put, you know, my baby girl in my arm and on my chest and yeah, I, I found it really hard. Like I didn't want to make out like it was more or less than what it was, but it just mm-hmm. was what it was. I had to go home and tell my kids and um, yeah. my family that I wasn't, my friends that I wasn't having a baby and it was just a really hard season. So that's kind of where it all began. So beyond. So like I regard like my views on losing a baby is that we become mothers the day that this the stick turns pink, you know, like as soon as yeah. the lines are yes. on that pregnancy test, your mothering instincts kick in, right? Yeah. You they do. you do you do. You you have a connection straight away. Totally. So regardless of how, and I'm not talking about whether a baby is a baby in terms of like, you know, pro-choice and all of that. That's a totally different conversation. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about the, you know, planned pregnancies and that sort of thing. This, if you're trying for a baby, the second that you find out that you're pregnant, your mothering instincts kick in and you begin planning and bonding and experiencing that pregnancy and dreaming everything into the future um yeah, so been, yeah we planned all of those things you know like thinking about the bedrooms and just our life moving forward with a third child which was something that i'd wanted for a really long time yeah i bet so well i remember when i lost my baby at 14 weeks we i was so grateful that as awful as it was for losing her I was grateful that I didn't actually have to go through the birthing process, which is, you know, a whole other thing that I can't even imagine what it's like to actually go through that to only be met with grief at the end. It's really traumatic. And like what you went through is also traumatic. I think like the hormones and emotions and then the fact that, like, yeah, the hormones people don't talk about. Like I had the weirdest um, feelings happening and then them putting the um, baby on my chest and then you have everything that goes, you know, even though your baby's not being classified as stillbirth, um, you have the midwives and doctors saying, okay, so now what do you want to do with your stillborn? It's yeah. really and you're like well what do you mean by that do you and they're like oh here, here is a contact for a funeral company and um oh. like in a little casket and all of those things and then so you're really trying to process a lot it's really confusing so not only will we as a family dealing with the grief of my dad we were dealing with the grief of what had happened with the baby we were being we were wanting to be really like we were all so excited my sister was having a baby so there were so many conflicting feelings going on at the time but yeah so not long i will share that not long after dad did pass away um i was trying to think of something a workshop that i could take my mum to because i feel like you know how often things are too hard to deal with with your mind yeah 
and it's easier to work with your hands. We're all connected. So often working from the inside out is a way to deal with that um, grief. And I contacted a local ceramics class and we went in there and yeah, it was a safe place. It was so good for mum and I just to have that little bit of clay therapy. And um, my mum, she was living in Armadale. She went back home, but I realised that it was something that I really needed. So I continued to go to classes. Mm-hmm. And um, not long after that, um, that I'd been going, my husband, Greg, he came home with a wheel and a small kiln. He did? And, yeah. That's yeah. so nice. Yeah. He knew that I needed, I needed that. Yeah. I needed time to try and process. Um, it almost, <laughs> I remember putting my kids to bed at night and I'd go out at the time we had it in the, we had the wheel in the um, carport area. Mm-hmm. And I'd go out there and I would spend hours and hours on the wheel just trying to gain some sort of control or perfectionism, which um, was not a tangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I think that was how I was dealing with it. And I didn't always love the clay either. I'd sometimes get really angry, upset, and I'd throw it and things would break and yeah but it was all part of my journey and then one day kind of clicked something changed and I and then I just loved it it was really a bizarre experience but you just kept going back to it I just kept going back to it because I knew that even though sometimes I didn't have the words to um to express I I could I could use my hands and it was a creative outlet for me. It and was I just guess, a yeah. I guess having, when you are moving through grief and the thoughts and feelings within your body are so loud to be able to use your hands. And it's a type of somatic movement, I guess, like healing in that respect that where you are focused on something else and you're, either like moving the wheel, moving the clay, connecting to that, that it takes you out of your head and into your body. So mm-hmm. that that type of meditation that you were speaking about where you, you can have a pause on everything else and just focus yeah. on something, creating something beautiful or just creating. Yeah, it's a huge yeah. distraction and it does change your whole mindset when you're in that moment of meditation. I love that. So grief is such a personal thing and we often want to fast track it. How long after, you know, from where you just started working with the clay to when you started to um, start your, see more in it within, you know, creating May clay and that sort of thing. I think it was an amazing distraction actually. Like when I look back, I'm like, wow, it really, not only did it help me process my grief, but it was such a good distraction. Obviously I had my two children at home and I wanted to give them um, my attention. Like I, I, I wanted to be the best mum that I could, but I was finding it hard. Mm. Um, 
And then from, I actually really naturally progressed into a business. My younger sister, I started bringing things home from my class and um, she just said, Hey, can I set up an Instagram account for you? And I was like, no, no, like, I don't need that. And she, yeah, she was like, no, 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 I'll set it up just so you can like put a few of your bits and pieces up there, not like to sell them or anything, but just to, well, that's what I was thinking. Um, but she, yeah, so she set up an Instagram account for me and I'm just trying to think the time, the time frame. it wasn't, it wasn't very long, like, uh, like it wasn't like a fully fledged business mm. really quickly. It's been something that we've been working on for, you know, we've been working really hard on it, but um, yeah, I don't know what the timeline would be. I'd have to go back and sort of figure out when it sort of became naturally fairly quickly. I started selling little bits and pieces, but yeah, then we went, okay, well this could actually be a business. So yeah, but I think going back to your question, I think that we can try and suppress our emotions and discomfort rather than working through them. Mm-hmm. So because there's so many emotions attached to grief, there's no actual like formula to dealing with it. So like even though this is my my story, there's not actually a formula it looks different on everyone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I mentioned earlier, I don't like the way that our society does deal with grief because it is awkward and uncomfortable. But it's something that we need to get used to talking about. It's so, so true. And I've like, I'm quite open with the kids about it. Like I know a lot of friends hide and totally different thing. Like they try and hide, you know, different deaths and, you know, Um, death and grief and everything from their children they think that they're too young they shouldn't have to deal with it and want to everything rosy but death even though there's elements within losing loved ones and everything that is absolutely catastrophic and there's Mm. no coding that but making peace with the fact that it's part of life and then Elizabeth Gilbert speaks about grief so beautifully as grief being the ticket the receipt of having love so deeply. So the more that you like naturally when we love someone or something so much and we lose them, there's going to be an aftershock and that's the price we pay for loving. So it's the, it's a beautiful, like what a beautiful thing to have to experience, even though it's so like takes you out at the knees. It Mm. means it's a sign that you love deeply and that it is part of it. And why would we rob our children of that? I know. I know. That's so true. I mean, I feel like Ivy, she dealt with a lot. She was at an age where she did understand she's got quite heightened emotions and she's really sensitive and compassionate. And she was seeing our family really break down during that time. And for a while I wanted to, um, really try and hide that. I, like I, not hide, we couldn't hide it, but protect her from that. Yeah. Um, but then I realized that, um, it was actually a really good learning experience for her in a sense, because she will move forward 
like being able to deal with so many situations that will arise in her life um, with compassion and understanding. And rather than her coming home and getting upset about a situation at school, she says, oh, maybe they had a hard day today. Like they might've been going through something at school, at home or, you know, like she's learned, I feel like she learned so much from that season in her life. How beautiful. How yeah. beautiful to have that empathy already. Yeah, she's really empathetic. And I think that she really did learn a lot during that time because she was she would have been going to school and, you know, Nana was here often and I was losing it often and she would have been feeling really yuck and people probably weren't really understanding why maybe she was having days, like off days. Yeah. Now when she goes and somebody says something or yeah she's like oh well, you know what it doesn't matter like they probably might have just been an off day for them today and I'm like yeah that's right that's so true and it's like that um you know when you show up in your and experiencing a full array of emotions as a response to life you're giving your children permission to do the same yeah that's it which is so valuable I know so valuable yeah it really is so what has been the most surprising thing with the way you've experienced grief? Um, I would say the most surprising thing would be um, that prior to working, prior to this, um, I worked in a corporate environment in advertising mm -hmm. and I never considered myself a creative. My family were all creatives and I work with creatives, but um, it was only through grief that something was unlocked um, and I was drawn to something and I had so much negative energy, but somehow I was able to turn that around. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, that would be, I was pretty, I'm pretty surprised by that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you, there are many people that wouldn't. And this is another thing, like there is no timeline for grief. And like you were mentioning before, um, a few years ago, there's no way we could have had this conversation. No, like, there's no, way. no, I needed to process it myself. I'm um, quite a private person. Um, and if I'm dealing with something, I really need to deal with it before I can, um, I suppose, outwardly share what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. um, so, but now I feel like I have dealt with it. I, you know, every now and then you have your moment. And I mean, if you didn't have your moment, there's not, you know, I, I love those. I loved my dad and I was, I still every now and then go, Oh, wow. I wonder, I see a little baby or a little toddler and I go, Oh, that's how old my, my baby would have been. You know, that's quite normal. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to share this a few years ago oh for sure and that's completely understandable and one thing i know that um people when there is a loss especially a miscarriage or a stillbirth that first year afterwards is so hard because you have to pass all of those milestones where it's like this was my due date this would have been baby's first christmas this would have been baby's first whatever, you know, things that you've put in the calendar that you've forgotten about. And then, mm. especially when there's other babies around you mm. that would have been born around the similar time, especially like your sisters, 
Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, oh, I'm, even though you can, a little, reminder. little reminders where it's just like, you know, you, even though you are so happy for everyone yeah. else to have, it's like yeah. two things can exist in the same place at the same time when it comes to grief. Because yeah, thank you so, for saying that. It's so true. I can be so happy for somebody having a baby. Um, and I, at the same time, I'm like, it's just that little reminder, oh, that's right, I went through that or I didn't have that. I didn't yeah. have my baby. Yeah. It's wild. It How is wild. a wild talking about it. Sorry. I said, I'm glad that we're talking about it because isn't yeah. it, what's the statistic now? I don't know. The, do you know the stillbirth statistic? I'm not sure I do. I'll have to look you know that one. one in four women experience yeah, I think, miscarriage. Yes, it might be about that. Miscarriage. Yeah. There's like that grey area of the, you know, I, like, I, like you said earlier, from the moment you see that stick and it says positive, you have a life in you and you are connected to that life. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so it doesn't matter what stage you're at. Every stage is difficult. Totally. And yeah. I'm glad, like, I've had friends that um, have lost babies at, after finding out about three days, you know, like a quite a quick, um, an early miscarry or you've got, I've got friends that have lost their baby at 40 weeks and four days or, you know, like yeah. anywhere in between. I can't even imagine having gone onto that stage. It's still a loss. It's yeah, all it's a loss. Still a loss. I know. It is, and it's a hard time. It's a hard thing to go through. So the fact that you have chosen to make something beautiful out of something so weighty says so much about you as a person, so I want to acknowledge you for that. And I know in your workshops, you make everyone feel so capable and they are so, so fun. Oh, they are, aren't they? So fun. And you and Brooke did that um, yeah. together. Uh, we did. Are you planning on hosting any more of them? Um, gosh, I would. And I'm sure Brooke would love to as well. But oh, it's been a little bit tricky with COVID to just lock one down. And also um, Brooke's in Melbourne. I could, uh, I ha we have a, we both have a lot going on. So maybe it's yeah. something that we have to plan soon. Maybe. That's, that <laughs> would be great. And they do book out. They, book they out do. Something. They book out so quickly. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. It is a nice experience. It is fun. So how long does it actually, so what is May Clay? Because I know I've been talking about it here. May Clay is your beautiful collection of? Ceramics. Yeah. So handcrafted, um, beautiful, yeah, ceramics. So <laughs> we're also working on lights. At the moment, we've been very focused on our um, lighting range, which has been so enjoyable to do. Um, and we're always trying to create new and beautiful, beautiful pieces. Um, yeah. So may clay lighting or may clay ceramics. Love that. So how long does it actually take to make one of your... Um, vases, which I'm actually looking at a, one of, I made when we were in your workshop, I made one of those little pinch plates, like, which I love when oh, I've got my earrings yeah. sitting on it. And I've also yeah. got a vase, but I don't know, I haven't actually used it as a vase. It's just looking absolutely beautiful. Just yeah. on my, um, <laughs> so if nice. I do so myself. I, I love uh, that. So, 
how long does it actually take? Because it's a process. Like we, it actually, is. we made the yeah. clay. Oh, well, we didn't make the clay. We shaped the clay, but then you have to do like how many steps? To, There's you know? a few. There's a few involved. There's two firings and um, it, you have to be very patient with the process um, while they dry out. So I, I would say between, it's a really hard question to answer. Um, it's quite complex. So I would say between six and 10 weeks, but that could be weather and clay pending. Six um, to 10 weeks? Yeah, I would say like some clays are different to others. Some are more versatile. Some take are a little bit, you, you know, you can dry them out a little bit quicker and they might not crack. But then other clays, you, you just know you have to dry them out over a long, longer period of time. So just making sure the temperature and they're covered up over a certain period. And you're, I'm monitoring, like going and checking them often. And um, yeah, but it's a hard, hard question to answer with an exact timeline. Well, that's okay. And Diana, Sally and I also gave you with our um, off cuts of clay, we made some penises and balls, didn't we? You, yes, you certainly did. My daughter's. And she was very, she was very curious. Ivy was. She was like, oh "What are they?" And I was like, "Well, what do you think they are?" Oh my and god! Then, and then my son walked in there, and he's like, "Why is there penises there?" He knew straight away. Yeah, that you'd nailed it, Katie. Well, that's good. <laughs> I honestly, the funny thing, the funniest part was they were all so different, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's like, which ones have you been looking at? But anyway. <laughs> Um, that was funny. You're like, you don't need me to fire these, do you? And we're like, yeah, we do. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm not sure if I got them to you or not. Oh, gosh. I, think, I don't know. I can't oh, remember. I'll have to have a look and check. I don't know. But girls will be girls. Like, you put a bunch of girls with some arts and crafts and someone's going to make a penis for sure, <laughs> no matter what. Um, I love watching your Instagram and I love watching how like you, like, and especially since meeting you, you have the most beautiful, calming Zen energy and you're so grounded and it's like, it's no surprise that you've chosen to work with such a beautiful earthy, um, product like, like mm. clay. It's, yeah. you know what, actually, what is clay? I'm guessing, like, I've got my thoughts, but what is it actually made it's like of? Earth matter, so raw materials, and it's made um, at a local place. They're on the central coast, but there's a bunch of pits that they all around the world that they get all these different types of earth material, and they turn it into clay. So there are obviously the natural clay pits, um, but yeah, the clay that I use is um, made from a few different ingredients. I suppose you could say. <laughs> I love that. that. Yeah. 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 So it's made so, from earth um, materials and then you make it into something even more beautiful. Which yeah, is it's pretty special to work yeah. with the yeah, with the earth and the water and then the fire, all the elements. It's really special and grounding. Oh my so, god, it yeah. is all the elements. I know, I know it is. So that's really special. It is really grounding. At the end of the day, I'm working with dirt every day. So I mean, it's not extremely glamorous. I'm usually covered in mess and I like it that way. I'm okay with it. Oh, so how can we find and how can people order 
some of your magic because they truly are gorgeous hands. So where can we find you um, on Instagram or do you have a website as well? Where can people track you down? Um, so I have my website, mayclay.com.au and then my Instagram handle, mayclay underscore ceramics. Um, okay. At the moment, we had to close our orders because, yeah, they were getting a little bit... Um, it was, there was a lot going on well, and we, just, we had a few. Sorry, sorry, I cut you off because I was no, really excited no. about this. Like you just sold to one particular home, 15 lights. Like that's <laughs> crazy. Like beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I'm very excited to be working on that project actually. So I'll have to share some, um, some pictures and I might even go for a little drive to the location and share some, some um, pickies of where they're going. Please do. Yeah, so we love seeing sorry. stuff. Oh, good. Well, um, but I am hoping to reopen orders soon when I'm back, like when I'm on top of things. Um, and usually if you um, email me, um, I, that's the best way to um, get my attention, I think. Often, you know how the Instagram messages, they kind of get lost? Yes. I and have- I feel so bad that I haven't gotten back to someone. So I try really hard, but as soon as they've been opened, if you don't get back to them straight down and there, and you know what it's like being a mum with kids, like you cannot always get back to it straight away. So I hope people are understanding of that. Oh, things get lost in the abyss of my inbox. And I love it because sometimes, and it's naughty of me because I shouldn't open it until I have the capacity to sit down and reply on the spot, but I do it on the fly. Like I'm flying around because I'm curious as to what someone has said or need and then I'm like it's gone so if anyone's listening and I have read a message and I haven't responded I apologize I've lost it comment again and it'll bump back up to the top sometimes you know when you just like yeah you do something else just well, I usually know if I've messaged somebody on Instagram, if they've probably just missed it, I'll just do like a little love heart or something. Yes. Answer my question. It's not yes. like me being rude. It's just to say, I know it wouldn't have reached you. So I'm bumping it back up to the top. Courtesy love heart. It it's is. A courtesy. Like it's and a I would courtesy. totally appreciate that at my end too. Oh, good. Good. So thank you so much for humanizing and sharing so much, well, a small snippet of your grief journey and how you have taken that with you and turned it into um, a beautiful thriving business, which not everyone has to do. If you wanted to as well, I will say that, that you have to find something that you love and it's supporting you through your grief process or through anything like a mental health journey or um, a divorce, a separation, whatever it is, you don't always have to make it into a business. I just think that May Clay is so beautiful, how, what you create that it, I'm so glad that it has turned into something that we can all share in, even though it was like created from something, a painful place, it's turned into something really beautiful. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to grief, especially after last year with COVID, there was a sense of loss going on, like not only with losing someone, but losing a lot of things. Everything you thought the year was going to be. Pardon? Everything you thought the year was going to be. Yeah. And we all felt that sense of loss. So if you, even if you haven't lost someone, you can, you can probably still relate to a lot of what we've talked about. 
Absolutely. Well, I'm yeah. going to put all of your contact details in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining us, Hen. I just adore you. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Oh, Hannah and I jumped off this call and then we were like, oh my goodness, there is still so much that we wanted to discuss. But in the realm of trying to keep the podcast in, you know, like beautiful bite-sized and digestible pieces, we thought that we might do a follow-up post on the best ways that we can also support people around us through grief. And as always, if you or someone that you know is moving through something and you think this would be a benefit to them, by all means, lovingly share if that feels good to you. It is a really rough topic to talk about when we're talking about loss, but grief is something that we are all going to experience. Please reach out to someone if you feel that you are constantly being pounded by the waves of grief. it is a really isolating thing. Another woman that I know who speaks about grief so beautifully is Elizabeth Gilbert when she lost her partner Raya to pancreatic cancer. She shared so much of that healing journey as well and the way that she speaks about it is just balm for the soul. So if anyone is moving through anything right now, my heart goes out to you and I hope that you soon start to feel a little bit more space between those waves. Sending you so much love today and please check out Hen and the beautiful way that she has chosen to move through hers. Love you guys.